0: Amazing. Anyway, Psalm 46. Let's stand, please. Thank you. <laughs> For the director of music of the sons of Korah, according to Alamoth, a song. God is our refuge and strength, a never an ever present help in trouble. Nations are in uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done. The desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says... Be still and know that I am God, I will be exalted among the nations, I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. the God of Jacob is our fortress. Amen. You may be
1: seated. situation to which the psalm that you just heard probably refers to an Old Testament story when King Hezekiah of Judah was surrounded by the Assyrian army led by Sennacherib. 46 towns and villages in Judah had been sacked, 200,000 residents had been taken captive, and 185,000 troops surrounded Jerusalem. And it looked like only a matter of time before the city would fall. But proud Sennacherib did not reckon with the fact that Hezekiah's God is the living God who will not be mocked. Hezekiah prayed and God spoke. And in one night, one angel, the angel of the Lord, defeated Sennacherib by conquering 185,000 of his soldiers. Amazing. Psalm 46 was written... Out of the crucible of extreme adversity from which God had provided deliverance to the nation of Israel. It relates to anyone sitting in this room all throughout time who experienced times of trouble. Or to anyone who will face trouble no matter how extreme or or how dire. It tells us that God is the living God and he is our only refuge in times of trouble. Amen. So you're, you're here today and experiencing the start of a new church, a very first service. So thank, thank you all for coming. It's such a delight to have you here. I hope that you're blessed by hearing God's word and fellowshipping with the body of Christ. I know many of you are here today go to other churches and you're here to just encourage us and, um, and just kind of be our cheerleaders. And we just thank you so much for being here and for encouraging us in that capacity. Thank you for being here. Uh, this church that you see, Refuge Church, is the product of many people who have throughout their lives come out of the crucible of extreme adversity. Amen. From which God has provided us deliverance. For the past few months, myself and many of the the people that you see sitting here um, have decided to launch a church. And we've been seeking God's direction and starting a new church. Where, where are we going to do this? How are we going to do it? With whom are we going to do it? <clears throat> and, and before that, my wife and I, as many of you know, decided to leave a, a place that we really loved, our, our home church, Grace Gospel Church, to go to go out to a church planting training um, and to experience because That has always been my desire to, to plant the church, and we just felt it was time to get some further training. So we went out to Western Mass, and we got some training out there for a year, and we sat under a guy out there named Robert Crumry. And He oversaw a church planting um, forum type of thing and a training, and it was really awesome. We got to be out there and, and learn from them as they planted churches, literally planted churches out in western Massachusetts. <clears throat> While we were out there, we just kind of we, we never intended to stay. we always intended to come back here and plant a church around here in our, in our home area and that was kind we kind of rethought that you know a lot of times when you make big changes like that, you start rethinking things and we were wondering like, should we go back, should we stay and God really just over that, that process made it clear. For us that we needed to come back here and start a church around here. And um, upon coming home, a lot of our family and friends, different people that know us, have um, decided they wanted to help us. So a lot of people here are part of our launch team. So if you want to raise your hand if you're part of our launch team, there's about 20 of us. I think, I think they're all here. I don't know if we're maybe missing a few. But these guys are part of our launch team. What we've been doing for the past few months is we've been praying. We've been seeking God. We've been driving around um, <laughs> Riverside and Fall River just praying, asking God, like, what do, what do we do? Where do we go? That came out of, by the way, the, the, the need that we sensed around here, that, that um, about 1%, this is just research that I did in, in the area, about 1% um, of Southeast New England actually goes to gospel preaching churches. 1%. There's about a million people in Southeast New England. So if you if, if you do the math, that's about 10 to 1, it's 1, 1 to 1.5%, It's so about 10 to... 15,000 people actually going to gospel-preaching churches. So we just kind of sense, like, we need more gospel-preaching churches. We need to um, create um, more places of worship that preach the gospel, right? And so that's kind of what motivated us to come back here. And our launch team kind of saw that vision and believed in it. So here we are today. Um, and through their hard work, uh, gosh, they've just been working hard. And um, God has directed us to Riverside. We weren't really thinking too much about Riverside, and God directed us because honestly, He provided this place for us for like for no- practically nothing. So um, a-, a lot of a lot of. O- open doors came up and it led us to Riverside and a lot of people came through, they donated money, they gave us all these chairs and all these different things that you see. You know, so the, and, and these are this is the stuff of church, but this is not church, if you know what I mean. God's people is his church. But God, God provided us with a lot of things. We don't want you sitting on the floor when we gather for church. So God provided us a lot of things in coming here. because he's faithful. And he's opening doors for us for ministry here, and we're just so blown away by this. Um, we, we've decided to name our church, as you might have noticed, Refuge. Refuge Church. <clears throat> and um, we've been tracking with the psalm in chapter 46 that we've read today. And, and again, you might ask why start a church, and, and I've just addressed that a little bit, but the simple answer is that we're broken. We're broken with sin. We're broken with our vain pursuits. We think gods are other gods besides the living God, and we're, we're broken because of it. We see our neighbors and our friends and our cities, we're just broken, and we need to be rescued. That's why we named our church Refuge. Because we need a refuge from the chaos of the destructive power of sin in our lives. Right? We need to be rescued by God through Christ. So why start a church? That's why. The simple answer, we're broken, this world is broken, and the only adequate refuge in this broken and troubled world is the gospel of Jesus Christ, which this church is called to hold up, to make the name of Christ famous in this area in southeast New England. A million people is not that many people to God, and he can save all of them. He saved Nineveh through the preaching of one man, Jonah, and he can do it today. Amen? Amen. The Lord is our refuge, friends, and as his people, the church, live out the gospel in community, the church becomes this refuge to people who need one through Christ. We see the Lord as a refuge in our text in three ways, and this is going to be my sermon today. <clears throat> in spite of the dangers of nature, he is our refuge. In spite of the raging of nations, he is our refuge. And in spite of the human conflicts that we endure, he is our refuge. Before I forget to not to, to uh, disrupt the flow of the sermon, but um, there is a party going on after this. So we're sharing this space. So at about 10.30, we're going to start cleaning up. So I hope that you're not insulted by our moving your chair. at around 10.30, okay? Just to let you know, that's why we're doing that. But anyway, the Lord is our refuge in spite of the dangers of nature, in spite of the raging of nations, and in spite of human conflicts. God, I pray, Lord, bless these words from your humble servant, the chief of sinners that you have rescued. I pray that you bless our time in Christ's name. Amen. The Lord is our refuge in spite of the dangers of nature. God is our refuge and strength in ever-present help in trouble. God is our refuge and strength and ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the sea, though its waters roar and foam and the mountains quake with their surging. We have great images of the physical world here. The earth, the mountains, the waters. And all of these are typifying catastrophes. End of the earth types of stuff. The irony, by the way, here, is the mountains that crumble into to the sea were, were viewed in Scripture as places of refuge. Even to this day, mountains are looked at as places of refuge. Where do you want to be if you're a, a, a fighting army? You want the high ground. You want to be on top of the mountains. When storms rage, where do you head? High ground, mountains. When enemies engage, where's the advantage? But what do we do when our refuge is crumbling into the sea? What do we do when the thing that we thought would save us collapses around us? Isn't that a bad day? How many people have had that day? I've had that day. A few times. Here is the heart of the matter. Now, I know what you're thinking. You say, I'm not a Christian, and that's why I'm not a Christian. Because all all you Christians, you think you're just... You find religion because you're in trouble. Life's tough, so life's you use it as a crutch, in other words. And I, I just can't be a Christian for that reason, because you just believe in God because you're hurting. Something bad happens, so you turn to religion. I handle my own problems. Ah, yes, okay, good, good point, right? And, and I see what you mean there, but friend, don't you, don't we all do that? Is it any less a refuge to turn to An 80-hour work week so that you can make a million dollars a year? Who told you, who convinced you that you would matter, that you would be important, that your life would amount to something if you had lots of money? Isn't that a refuge? We all count on something to provide us with some measure of protection or safety. And what I mean here is that we count on something to prove to ourselves that we've made it in life, that we matter, that our existence matters. And our existence is justified. Um, I remember um, Pat's da- uh, Pat was telling me a story the other day about her dad. And I'm not saying her dad was doing this, but um, he was the kind of guy that said, if you if you were on time, you were late, and if you were early, um, you were on time, and if you were late, you were fired. <laughs> right? So that th- that was the kind of mentality. But you know, and we kind of laugh at that. But how many of us really feel? That way about certain ideals in life, if we have a certain amount of money in the bank, we we're the kind of people that have saved, right? Or if we're on time for things, we're the kind of people that are on time, not like the not on time people, right? So in a sense, we look at those things and we say, yep, I'm okay. I've lived up to some standard that someone else has put in my life, or I've put in my life, for whatever the reason. And if we follow that standard, we're safe. It's our refuge. If we fail that standard, we're destroyed. we failed. Our mountains crumble into the sea. A career, how well you sing, love, spouse, marriage, children. If I have kids, then... I I have some relatives in my life where if if you've made a lot of money, then you made it. you You did life right, right? You found a God, you worship that God, and that God is your refuge. These gods, they answer the nagging question of what makes us matter. If we succeed, then our lives are justified. If we fail, then we're wrecked. We're destroyed. Either way, we lose. Because even if we succeed, we get it, we find it, and we realize, oh, there's got to be more than this. So we start looking somewhere else, and it's this never-ending battle. Any refuge but Jesus Christ is a crumbling mountain into the sea. Any refuge but Jesus Christ is a mountain crumbling into the sea. They are broken cisterns that can hold no water, as Jeremiah said. This is why I say that the Lord is refuge in spite of the dangers of nature. The text pictures mountains falling into the sea. And that in this activity of mountains falling into the sea, God is still our refuge. But this doesn't make sense. Just think about it. If God was our refuge, wouldn't the mountains not be falling into the sea? If a refuge is a safe place, if a refuge is a fortress, how is it that the earth is ending? Wouldn't God protect us from problems? No, friends. No. Nor will He. God is not going to insulate us from the problems of life. Because the mountains falling into the sea perhaps is the greatest gift God will ever give to you. Because maybe you are trusting that mountain to justify your existence instead of trusting Jesus Christ to justify your existence to make Him God, to make Him Lord, to worship Him only. The world's safe places collapse around us, but we trust in Him who is God of the sea and God of the mountains. So the heart that has peace and trial recognizes that the Lord will deliver. And this deliverance is going to be found in in our lives, whether in this life or in the next. But either way, God is preserving and always will preserve those who take refuge in Him. So we start a a church because it's our desperate desire for you, for Riverside, for Southeast New England, to take refuge in Jesus Christ and to stop taking refuge in businesses that you start and money that you make and friends that you have and marriages, to take refuge in Jesus Christ. Second, the Lord is our refuge in spite of the raging of nations. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her. She will not fall. God will help her at break of day. Nations are in an uproar. Kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice. The earth melts. We have an image here of the city of God put alongside the city of man. The city of God has peace, gladness. The city of man is in an uproar. It is chaos. The figure of a river flowing through the city of God which is a reference to the river that we see in the Garden of Eden at the beginning of the Bible and the river that flows from the throne of God himself at the end of the Bible. Right? This river typifies what Jesus called living water. In Jeremiah... Jeremiah tells us, my people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living water, and hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Jesus Christ said, I am the living water. Drink of me and you will never die. You will have a new life and never thirst again. So here we have a river that makes glad the city of God. In the city of God... There is gladness, but in the city of man there is chaos. There is not this water from the presence of God. And here is a refuge reference in this passage that I just quoted. They have dug for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. We've relied on a refuge, friends, that cannot protect, that cannot, that cannot hold water. It's cracked. You ever try to fill, fill a cracked cup? It doesn't hold water. So when we rely on the mountains, when we rely on the nations to hold the water of our life, the meaning of our life, it's cracked, it'll spill out. We need to turn to Jesus, who is the water of life. In spite of the raging of nations, the people of God are glad. God will not fail them, and He will preserve His city because He is present in that city. When the Lord is your refuge, it will lead to your gladness. That's what this verse tells me. When you take refuge in the Lord Jesus Christ, it will lead to your gladness. Now please don't misunderstand. That doesn't mean when bad things happen, we won't grieve. We're supposed to grieve. The Bible tells us to grieve. But the Bible also tells us that we do not grieve as those without hope. We have a glad heart. Because in spite of the trials of life, we drink from the living water Jesus Christ and we don't drink from the waters that come from the hope that some have in this world. There is a river which brings joy to the city that worships God and the house that is dedicated to God above all other gods. So friends, we're starting a church because we want this city To drink from the water of the living God. To know the gladness and the joy and the peace that come from surrendering idols. Finding purpose in vain pursuits. And discovering the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. What idols do we have? But can we lay at the foot of Christ. And find refuge in him instead of that thing. Right? And I've known this in my life. And not, and not even, you know, I'll probably know it again, right? In the, the not-too-distant past, I remember trying to pursue certain education outlets for church planting, and I kept, I'll be honest with you, I kept getting rejected. <laughs> no, no, no. How many people have ever looked for jobs and gotten rejected? <laughs> right? You know, and if, and if you're a sensitive soul like I can be at times, you start getting, woe is me. Wow! If I had studied harder in college, if I had done, you know, if I had done X, Y, and Z, maybe I'd be a CEO right now. You know, like you, you can start to feel like that after you get so many notes. Right? I'm taking refuge in the approval of man. If someone says, "Kyle, you know, you got it, man. You're hired. We want you on our church planting team," right? Yes, I matter. The approval of man is my refuge, and the Bible says that the fear of man is a snare, it's a trap. Do I take refuge in the fact that Jesus Christ has died for my sins, that I am approved on the basis of God saying it so? Why isn't that enough for me sometimes? So we slip into this even as believers, we get back into it. The fear of man is a snare. The house, but the house dedicated to God above all other gods will drink from the water gladly that comes from it. So we start a new church to be another example of a house that is dedicated to God, that doesn't have, not that it's without problems or we never feel sadness, but we drink from the water of life. And we're another example of what can happen to people when they put their faith in Jesus Christ. We want to put on display the joy that comes from having Christ as refuge. To see the city worship God and be nourished with gladness that comes from the river, the refuge, Jesus Christ. I know that you've heard this over and over again, but I'll just say it again. There are two cities in this country that are known to be the least church cities in the nation. And that's Providence, Rhode Island, and that's New Bedford, Massachusetts. They're tied for first place. Okay, I don't care. Great, because the river that flows from the city of God will bring gladness to the city that worships God. And if this city starts to worship God, it will receive the gladness that comes through faith in Christ. Do you believe that? Do you believe that God can do that? The refuge Jesus, who at the preaching of Jonah, one man, a whole city is converted to faith in Jesus. Why not today? Why not now? You see, the church, the God has given the church to hold up the gospel so that people can come to faith in Jesus. That's why we start, we start a new church. Okay? <clears throat> the Lord is our refuge, thirdly, in spite of human conflicts. This is a good one. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted above nations. I will be exalted above the earth. Come and see, the Lord Jesus says. Come and see. He asks you, sitting in your seat right right now, come and see, come and look at what God has done. That call goes out to you right now, wherever you're at in your life. Come and see. God invites us to look at him, to behold him, to see what he's done, to see the desolations that he's brought. That's kind of a hard word, right? Desolate. Wow, that, that presents God in, in this posture of kind of like violence. God has brought desolations, but let's look at this word a little bit. It actually means amazing things. Come look at the amazing things that he's done. The word desolate means to be made empty, right? So what, 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 what is the, the psalmist trying to show us here? He's trying to show us that the only thing that should matter in your life is your relationship with God in heaven. All of the relationships should be made empty. It should be made bare, should be separated from you. The mountains shouldn't matter. The people shouldn't matter. The conflicts, the fights that you end up in, it shouldn't matter. What is your posture with Jesus Christ, with God in heaven? Come and see the desolations. That is the amazing things that God wants you to see. He doesn't want you to be left out. Come and see. Come and look. Come and look with us what God has done. God wants to make your life desolate. I'm sorry. He wants to empty it out. He wants you to see only Him. And He wants you to look at the desires of your heart, the cries of your heart, the loves of your life through Him. And not without Him. God doesn't want you to not want anything anymore except Him. God gives us desires for things. But He gives us the desires for things to worship Him through those things. We make good things, ultimate things. Instead of vice versa. You follow me? God is ultimate. And the things he gives us are good. But what we do is we flip it. Like that. The the things that he made for our joy, we put above him. And they end up wrecking us. They destroy us. Because God's God's the good thing, not the ultimate thing. He's the thing we do on Sunday. He's the, the, the guy we tip on Christmas. Instead of making him ultimate. And putting every other relationship and every other situation into submission to Him. So He says, Come and see the desolations. God wants you to see Him and only Him on the throne of your heart. He wants to make desolate your trust in nations and in mountains and in relationships he wants to do this for your good because he knows that ultimately those things that you're trusting in are broken cisterns. They're not going to help you. They're not going to satisfy. Here he makes wars to cease. He ends the conflicts that we enter into. Ultimately, he ends the conflicts that we enter into. Maybe not now, but in the life to come, he will. He says, be still and and know that I am God. And oftentimes we interpret this verse as like as a verse to the Christian who is to just kind of quiet down their life and meditate on God. Be still and know that I am God. This, he's actually talking to unbelievers here, and he's saying, quiet, surrender, stop fighting, and know that I am God. Because what do we do when we fight oftentimes and when we enter into conflict? The conflicts that we're in are justifying our existence. If we win, we were right. And therefore, somehow, we feel as if that's some kind of refuge for us. Our rightness. But even when we're right, something's still missing, right? We win the fight. Something's still missing. Because we weren't worshipping God in resolving a conflict, we were exalting ourselves in being right. Amen? So God says, I'm going to stop this. One day, it's going to end. God says, be still and know that I am God. It is God that is our refuge, not our being victorious in conflict. So let me close with a reflection point. Verses 7 and 11 in our text, it says, The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. If you can just get that in your mind, meditate on that today. In your problems, in your trials, in your struggles. Maybe you lost a job. Maybe are having a hard time in your marriage, recite this verse in your mind. Believe it in faith. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Friends, we're starting a new church in the midst of many other fine churches that preach the gospel in this area because we're convinced that the God of Jacob is our refuge, that he's the only refuge. He is the only whole cistern that is not broken, that will hold water. Church, would you be reminded that it's not the mountains or the nations, or relationships, winning a fight, that's your refuge, that you're accepted by God through Christ, and that even if you lose the fight, God accepts you? Even if you lose the job, God accepts you? <clears throat> would you accept by faith... Um, that even though your mountains might crumble into the sea, that there is a river available to you that can make your heart glad in spite of what you've lost. You see, sometimes when we go through a problem, we think, that's it, my happiness is gone. I'm just reserved for the rest of my life to having this kind of quiet despair. That is a lie, friend. That is a lie. Drink from the living water of Jesus Christ, and He will bring your heart gladness. He will believe Him. Can we uh, be that glad city? as a church, can we drink from that river daily? Can we have unity? Can we confess our sins to each other? Can we forgive liberally? Can we worship that refuge Jesus Christ? Can we do that? And when we drift away, can we be reminded on this on the basis of this psalm to rely on the ever-present help in our God to drink from this river, his word? and not worldly rivers? Can we come and see what the Lord has done to remind ourselves of His promises? Can we be still and know that He's God, that He sees, that He will resolve conflict? If you don't know Christ, friend, would you toss your mountain into the sea? I don't know what it is. Would you know that there is no greater satisfaction that will find you in your life than the love of Jesus Christ? You know, when you find that, you can, you can handle your problems with so much more um, joy and gratefulness. Can you believe in faith right now that Jesus paid for your sin on the cross and that He has delivered you from His own anger toward your sin? You know that ultimately we need a refuge in Christ? Because God, this is a hard word I know, but God ultimately, without Christ, is our greatest problem, our greatest enemy. Because we've sinned against Him and in his, and his holiness, in His righteousness. His awful power is directed at you and I because of sin. And we need the refuge that we find in Jesus Christ to save us from the impending doom of God's judgment. Would you believe in Jesus today? Would you trust in Him? Would you taste and see that the Lord is good? Would you come and see what the Lord has done? You can right now, in the quietness of your own heart, repent, your, repent of your sins to God and put, a, put your faith in Jesus Christ and be delivered and find refuge in Jesus. And I just want to encourage you, if you've done that, if you're doing that in, in your mind, just come up and talk to me afterwards. I'd love to pray with you. Uh, Martin Luther wrote a, <clears throat> a hymn called The Mighty Fortress is Our God. And it was inspired by Psalm 46. So let me just read this. Why don't we close our eyes together, meditate on the words. A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper he amid the flood of mortal mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe doth seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. Did we in our own strength confide and striving would be losing? We're not the right man on our side, the man of God's own choosing. Dost ask who that may be, Christ Jesus, it is he. Lord Sabbath his name, from age to age the same, and he must win the battle. And though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us, we will not fear, for God hath willed his truth to triumph through us. The the prince of darkness grim, we tremble not for him. His rage we can endure, for lo, his doom is sure. One little word shall fell him. That word, above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours, through him who with us sideth. Let goods and kindreds go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. God, you are good, and we love you. God, let us take refuge in Jesus Christ, our great Redeemer,
0: our hero, our Savior. In Christ's name.